Good evening, everybody, and welcome to another episode of Buffalo Bills Maybe Next Year, your podcast that is quickly moving on from some iffiness last week and looking forward to what should be even more iffiness this coming week. I'm Paul. I'm Scott, and a smoother intro there's never been. We don't need Frank. Nope, not not at all. We don't miss you even remotely, Frank. No, Frank... Frank is uh Frank's out today. He'll be he'll be back, you know, and we uh we look forward to having him back on the uh the pod soon. So uh we'll keep him in our this weekend, in which case, again, he can't come back. Right. Then then that's over. So there's there's no coming back from it. Uh speaking of no coming back from it, the Bengals like to come back from it, but the Bills inevitably were able to put them down. Ah, that was a that was a Frank inspired segue. So <laughs> the, well, we came back from the comeback. Um, yes, we we the I feel like Josh Allen's comfort zone is you know what we're up by two touchdowns I'm not really cool with this let's play as poorly as possible for a quarter and a half from late in the second through the third quarter and then then once the Bengals have the lead then I'm comfortable again which hold, is hold my not, beer yeah yeah basically not a recipe for long term success as we've talked about but not bad either as I hear fire sirens approaching that will no doubt infringe on the pod Scott why don't you start chatting with your impressions on this game. Yeah, sure. So this was a um, obviously a bit of a of a. I mean, you know, it's a bit of a broken record. You know, some things that really have to get cleaned up at some point. Um, some things that we continue to see from Josh Allen, the hero balls again, getting. You know, I, I think it speaks to something that you know, you can make like four really bad decisions in a game, and the odds are that only two of them are really going to be backbreaking. <laughs> It's just they really can't happen at the wrong times in the fourth quarter when you can't recover from them. And I I just feel like we're we're constantly living this like like, yeah, boy, that and, and again, there is some really great stuff that goes along with it. And it's certainly entertaining football. And I agree with Frank on that. I kind of am fine. I've as someone who's watched Wisconsin football for the last 15 years. I'm perfectly fine watching a um, you know mediocre team run the ball down people's throats and uh, and you know win games twenty to fourteen and and finishing the se- finishing the season ten and two like I'm okay with that so I'm not quite sold on this um, I am sold on the defense continues to to play very well obviously you know a little bit of 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 um, a little bit of weakness this week but again some of that you have to put on Allen you know giving obviously the ball. The Bengals on the twenty-yard line is, is going to be—it's going to be tough to recover from that. Um, but uh, you know the defense looked good, um, and then yeah, I mean, um, I would say Allen is really the 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 story of the game for good and for bad, and I think he'll be the story of the season. So I, I don't want to go on too long about the Bengals game, or at least not 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 as long with, without hearing what Paul thought about it. Right. I think you know you had a lot of the. The major points. Another thing I'd had in my notes, Allen's missed the long ball all year, it seems. You know, when he's trying to hit deep receivers in stride, he missed a chance to foster this week, though it was a well-disguised defense that almost ended up being an, an interception. He does need to learn how to play in the third quarter. I mean, the plays have been there every game, and he just does not seem to take advantage of them the third quarter. But, if you know, it's I kind of appreciate the fact that we're being negative about these things because it means the he's he's accomplished a lot of the big stuff. You know, he's he's consistently throwing for a lot of passing yardage throughout the game. He's making big plays. He's leading fourth quarter comebacks. So all of that stuff is wonderful, but he's also not against some lesser teams. In order to fly against the Patriots, he can't miss a long ball when the opportunity arises. You have to take advantage of the limited opportunities the Patriots are going to give you. You can't, you know, uh, sleepwalk through the third quarter of a football game because the Patriots will figure out a way to beat you. So I was glad that Dable was kind of reading him the rights on the sideline after that, you know, ridiculous interception. So, you know, we'll hopefully can improve on those aspects. We should mention Frank Gore. I feel this was probably the best game we can really expect from him. <laughs> that is certainly, yeah. uh, you know, and that's not a bad thing. Five plus yards to carry rush for over 75 yards, you know, out of a guy who's 36 years old. That's pretty good. And it's a credit to him. It's a credit to the offensive line and the tight ends who blocked really well. But, it, you know, you can't expect that every week. Devin Singletary, we'll talk about later. We really hope. They have him back because, it, you know, TJ Yeldon 
I, I'm fine with him getting two to five snaps a game, like in weeks one and two. I'm not fine with the workload he got last week because he was the least effective thing the Bills did on the ground. Cody Ford was kind of another negative, and there's a, a lot of press about how it might be time to look to move him to uh, to right guard. And even if Feliciano's out for him to give him some time, you know, to learn on the bench because of the Bills' eight touchdown drives this year, seven have now come with Ty and Secchi at right tackle. And Ford was consistently beaten when he was at the right tackle position before Feliciano went out. And, you know, they, he ended up having to take over right guard for a bit. Dable, big fan of Dable this game. I, the run game had featured some traps, some counter trays, some jet sweeps to the tight end. They did a lot. I, I call it misdirection galore. And yes, there were some points when it had limited effectiveness, but I feel that it also set things up for that run game up the middle very well. And Frank Gore did a great job on his patient runs up the middle. So I was fine with establishing, hey, we're going to try and run the edge a lot. And it did get blown up once or twice, but otherwise it was fairly effective. And, you know, I think that's, as as I look through my notes here, I think that's pretty much where the the big highlights of the game for me, Dawson Knox, of course, uh, was, was, a, was a big highlight with, with you know, plowing over people on his one, one catch and also with his early touchdown receptions. So, you know, all in all, it, listen, we, we, we felt, I think we all felt to some degree going into this year that the team was good, but not a Super Bowl contender. I have seen nothing to take that opinion away from me. I feel like they are on schedule. They are beating teams. They are capable of beating and are better than, and that's, that's a plus the, the running backs are going to need to be better in the future, whether it's through Singletary's development and usage or, or something else. Same with the offensive line. Uh, the tight ends need to be more consistent. They vanished in the middle of the game last week, but uh, you know, looking ahead, the good news is I hear in the spring, the NFL is going to hold what's called a player draft and you are going to be able to, <laughs> pick players. I guess, I guess colleges have these football teams that they roll out and some of these players are actually fairly talented. And so they'll be doing a draft and maybe the bills can find some people in this, this draft. Interesting. We'll have yeah. to, we'll have to look into that. Uh, right. I, uh, that will I mean, be an off season thing. I, I can't wait to learn. That seems, that. that seems pretty obscure though, Paul. I mean, I don't know if we're going to do like a pod about it or anything. I, don't I know. Do. Yeah, that would be, that's, that's just overkill at that point. Yeah, so exactly. yep, that probably covers That'd most like of adding a 17th game to the regular season. Because that's right. Oh boy, that is you why you'd want a balanced home and away schedule. That that is really that is that is not. You know, it's funny, not on our agenda today. But if we get through this agenda quickly, we're we're going to talk a little bit about the we're the latest about game seventeen. Yeah, I think okay. that'd be interesting. So if we if we get to the half hour mark and we're done, you're going to get some some okay. bonus stuff on on, on that feature because I'm glad you brought that up. That's analysis of Packers Eagles. Um, yeah. Yeah. No, I don't have too much. I mean. The only thing I think the the one one or two things that that came to mind as you were speaking. So, yeah, Cody Ford. Like, I'm very glad he seems like a dude who's super like great team player. Like, great run blocker very, too, from every everything I've I've read. Very good at like getting guys up on the field and like he'll run over and like defend guys when there's a scrum. And he's got the personal foul last week when someone had a late hit on Allen or whatever it was, but. Um, yeah, I'm not sure that he's that good because Carlos Dunlap, I guess, was kind of whipping him on the first couple drives there. And then Nseki came kind of in. I feel like, you know, Cody needs to kind of let's let's just leave him at guard. And, you know, if he can't beat out Feliciano this year, he he's he's on the team for the next two, three years. We're not giving up on a second round pick in two years. So let's not uh, or at least not. We're not giving up on the first year. Um, so if he's not the guy right. who's 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 the guy right now let let him learn you know it's okay to not put a second round pick in over his head you know i i don't think his confidence is a problem otherwise he probably wouldn't be like getting up in people's business on the field um so it's probably not a confidence thing but it's more of a let's not get you know alan killed by you know carl van Noy or whoever next week um so that that's one thing i will all say and then um yeah i mean i like I like where we're going with the tight ends. I mean, I think, I think, um, I don't yeah, think uh, I'm glad you brought that up in, in a set of tight ends. I mean, we haven't even seen Croft yet, but he's supposedly the one who's got, well, he definitely has the one who has the most kind of NFL res- experience as a tight end in terms of receiving. Obviously we've got Lee Smith who has more overall experience, but it's mostly experience him being a small 
offensive tackle and not a tight end. Um, but then between Knox and Sweeney, I mean, they both had they both had drops, but they're getting open. They're making plays. Like I don't really remember having. I mean, Charles Clay had some flashes here and there. But before that, I'm trying to think of the last time I felt like we had sort of a threat at tight end. Um, yeah, maybe Chandler. And, yeah, Scott Chandler had his moments. Um, he had some not consistent, but had his up. moments. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, he he definitely had some moments, and he was a big target. So yeah, he was like a professional NFL tight end. Charles Clay was a professional NFL tight end, but the depth was definitely never there because it was never like the number two guy was anything anything more than just like a you know just a guy kind of thing. So I feel I feel good about that. Um. Yeah. Okay. So, what do you want me to go on to three stars? Yeah. Just uh, one comment quickly on the the tight ends, just because I'm glad you you brought up. It's funny. The Bills don't really have that, and you were you were essentially alluding to this. Bills don't really have that big receiving threat at tight end right now. But I'm okay with the blocking tight ends, and I think Suge on, on Bills and Beers had pointed that out this week as well. Like, if you had, they're 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 contributing. These tight ends are are helping them out, and. You know what? They they're young and they can develop most of them, except for Lee Smith, who, as you know, is essentially a glorified sixth offensive tackle, which is totally fine. Yeah. Um, and looking at what they've they've done, you know, who's been remarkably consistent this year is Charles Clay. He has consistently caught one pass every game for Arizona this year, totaling three catches for 20 yards on the season. So I think the Bills have made the right decision, pretty much blowing up that that tight end room. And I really like how they're doing. Maybe Scott, a tight end, will appear in three stars. Just just Maybe. just guessing. So I'm interested in hearing who the, well, who, the three star, who the definitive three stars of this game are. I'm, these I'm, uh, to remind all listeners, these are not debatable. I'm I'm opening up the envelope, as of course everyone knows. Um, the calculations are verified by PricewaterhouseCoopers. So I'm opening up that envelope now, just so there's no um, funny business. No, um, I don't want to say like interference. There's no, um, there's not going to be any loss of confidentiality. There's not going to be any, any like interception of things that are meant to go certain places. I'll just leave it there. I'll just, stop. <laughs> um, so we'll, we'll go ahead and just say, uh, I'll say honorable mention. Um, I was going to give it to Carlos Dunlap because Cincinnati, I mean, it's not like they got blown out in this game. I, I couldn't really, I was listening mostly to the Bills radio broadcast and then listening to that and then watching the highlights. So I wasn't really able to like see a lot of the film itself to be like, oh, well, you know, clearly this Bengals player was was heads and shoulders above everyone else because Dalton and the, the offense didn't really have a, a great game on some level. Um, but but Dunlap clearly was able to get around forward on a couple of occasions and get some pressure on Allen. And hey, he's a good player in general. So um for uh, Dunlap with the honorable mention, the, the third star, official third star, goes to uh, Jordan Phillips, one of the Phillips brothers, um, yes. the African-American one, who's not injured. <laughs> um, three tackles, one sack, one one tackle for loss, and a QB hit. So he's definitely part of the, again, a really symptomatic of a good defensive effort. Again, kind of keeping the pressure on. Not, I mean... Mixon had more rushing yards in this game than he had in the three previous games combined, but that was probably as much about Cincinnati as anything else. And ultimately, uh, Cincinnati's offense was not really able to do, you know, 17 points, seven of which they were basically kind of gifted um, only 66 carries. Uh, or excuse me, uh, 19 carries and 66 yards for Cincinnati's he, offense. He was he was a workhorse with 66 carries. That's that's what that is right there. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but, uh, but yeah, so Phillips gets your, your third star, your second star goes to the always underrated and never appreciated Trey white. Um, again, uh, Barnwell had a really nice column, uh, this week talking about the three and O teams and talked about how, how Trey is probably in the top five corners in the league, probably at this point. And it's just, you can't, it's hard to evaluate guys like that other than just on reputation, because for the most part, the, you just, you know, nobody throws at him. He's they had the the stats and I forget what it was, but it was basically like he's in the top five of fewest targets against in the league because no one throws at him because he's covering people. And that's what you do when you the guy's covered. So he's not going to get a chance to get a lot of interceptions. Obviously, on Sunday, he did. And he and not only did he, he get the chances, but he actually converted on them and got the two interceptions. Obviously, the big one on the defense deflected class uh, later in the game, the other one to kind of wipe out. I think it was. Was it a fumble or was it an interception? I forget what it was. This is some sort of bad play. Or yeah. I forget what it was, the, the first interception. But, um, yeah. So, uh, Trey White gets your gets your second star. 
And the first star goes to Big Dawson Nix, another rookie two weeks in a row. Bill's rookie on the offensive side gets a uh, first star nod. Uh, Dawson Knox, obviously, three catches for 67 yards, one rush for nine yards on a nice tight end end around, <laughs> which is. Which I, I joked on Twitter, like, if I'm ever saying that Brian Dable is not a creative play caller, please remind me of that play. I have watched a lot of football. And I cannot remember seeing an end around to a 250 plus pound tight end uh, out of the backfield. So I will say Paul Chris of Wisconsin has definitely run that play. Oh, okay. I'll also say he's run he's run an end around with the fullback as well. When the fullback will like split out wide, and then they will run they will run like a kind of it's it's a weird kind of like trap end around kind of almost because he's coming from the H back position, and then they'll run it as like a trap where he gets it on the inside. Uh, oh. which is fantastic. Um, but regardless, um, enough about three and zero and number eight in the country, Wisconsin. Um, <laughs> let's get back to this. Uh, we haven't even been able to text you and taunt you this year when they when they inevitably stumble. So you know oh, it'll be gotten... this weekend against Northwestern. That's the problem. <laughs> but, uh, so get those get those phones and get those uh, calls in right now. Um, but anyway, Dawson Knox uh, again caught the touchdown, first NFL touchdown. He did have a drop, which you know again is a little frustrating. I think that is probably going to be the thing that's going to keep him from being maybe an all pro is the hands do seem a little inconsistent. And that's something that happened in training cramp in the preseason. It also happened uh, obviously in this game. So, you know, a guys, some guys just have hands that are not perfect and it's not, you know, you can still be a good NFL tight end and not have great hands. Um, he's got, got better hands than I do. And he's probably got better hands than most of the guys. Um, and you can get better at that. I think that's something that you can practice on some level. You know, it might always be there a little bit, but on some level, uh, I don't right. really care as long as he catches most of them. So until he drops the one in the fourth quarter against the Pats this week, <laughs> that's definitely when he's dead to me forever. Yeah, they, they have a jugs machine. He can just, you know, hang out, do some drills with Cole Beasley. I think Cole Beasley they had a drill with him throwing a tennis ball against a wall and trying to catch it one handed, something like that. He be creative, figure out how to solve those hands. Yeah, exactly. Spend some time with Cole Beasley and then, uh, yeah, but don't spend so much that you lose all the weight and don't truck guys like you were trucking them, uh, this, this last couple, uh, this on the last play on Sunday, that, that the big, the that, big was, catch. that was beautiful. I feel like he probably committed two penalties on that play with a potential <laughs> face mask on the stiff arm and also with a head to head hit by hitting with bleeding with the crown of his helmet. But I feel like those shouldn't have been called. And I'm glad they weren't because that just adds a legend of Dawson Knox. And also both those players were physically fine after Knox hit them emotionally, mentally, probably destroyed for life they're, as they're, they should be. Yeah, they're never going to be able to survive the Monday of uh, of film room review when it's basically them just getting laid out by a rookie. Um, I could watch that play on a loop forever. Like, yeah. Just grind it down. Uh, let me put it into a powder and uh, snort it. Cause I, I will I, yeah, it is. It is the cocaine of our generation. The, you know, people talk about a lot of the problems with opiates on the streets soon. It's just me kids watching Dawson Knox in a loop. That is exactly. the next. It's all a gateway to that. You know, that, that's where it leads. Uh, one quick note I was inspired by when you were going through your, your stars. We talked about Joe Mixon. Remember, yeah, he was struggled the first couple of weeks, but he has last year 1,168 yards and eight touchdowns and averaged 4.9 yards a carry. So this is a, a threat. And they have now faced him and they have faced Le'Veon Bell and they have faced Saquon Barkley and they have come out mildly scathed. I don't want to say unscathed because Barkley put up some big numbers. Bell had some big runs and Mixon had some good plays, especially in the receiving game with his big catch on the Bengals touchdown drive in the fourth quarter or the drive that put them into field goal range, excuse me. But, you know, just overall great job by the Bills D. The run defense has been an issue for years, I feel. And then this is why people like Jordan Phillips get stars is for helping to shut down the run game. So initially, I'd, I'd have to transition to another topic, but I think because we're talking about the Phillips brothers, uh, we're going to talk about the the biggest injury from the, the week I think will lead into uh, Harrison Phillips tears his ACL. He's going to injured reserve, and this is a, a big blow. There are certain members of the Bills media 
uh, coverage team who believe that Harrison Phillips is actually on the verge of taking over the starting role from Star Loda lately. Uh, he had more snaps than Star. He was in there when Ed Oliver was in there for the final drive. And then even after he went out, they replaced him with Jordan Phillips, the third star and not Star, whose name is Star, but was not a star of the game. I don't know. And I'm interested for your impression, Scott. I wouldn't go that far you know what i'll let you, why don't you give your impressions on on how the harrison phillips injury impacts the team and i'll give some quick thoughts of my own well i mean i i think i think it's disappointing it was disappointing whenever anyone gets hurt i think on some level all teams have to deal with injuries um i just realized i've been sitting on a luna girl plastic figurine from pj masks for the last 15 minutes which is you know it's funny and your sound improved now that you've not been doing it so that luna girl <laughs> It's clear. I didn't even realize how, you know, now it's just like now you're talking like perfectly. So I okay. think the Luna girl is affecting the volume. All right. Well, I'll get out of here. Luna girl is what my son would say. Um, <laughs> she's the villain. So she is clearly. Ah. It's her fault. Um, so Harrison. Yeah. So Harrison Phillips, I would say the. The injuries are going to happen. In some ways. Having it happen to defensive line, which is arguably the most deep position on the team, Mm -hmm. is kind of the place I kind of was willing to have it happen. Maybe wide receiver because of the Duke Williams thing, which we'll get to in a minute here. But it's it's kind of like we're really pretty much eight deep on on the D line. Um, I mean, obviously, when you get down to is it I forget, is it Johnson or is it Love who's the eighth defensive end? I forget. Yeah, I think it was, uh, it's uh, I think Johnson because Love is now on injured reserve as well reserve. from the earlier year. So yeah, it's so Johnson. Daryl Johnson, the the the, the yeah. seventh round pick from this year. So he, mm-hmm. you know, again, obviously you don't want to see anyone get injured, but at the same time, and I think Phillips has been playing better this year, and I think Stadarda Tutele is probably someone we overpaid for a little bit. Now again, we have to do that because there's a premium for Buffalo. I get yep. that a little bit, um, and it's it's pretty clear, and there's been a number of things over the years that have said that. But um, I'm I'm not saying we shouldn't have done it. I'm just saying he's still probably a little overpaid. And I'm not like you know I, I get that he's a run stuffer, but I you know the run defense has been inconsistent at least last you know last year the run defense was okay. It wasn't we were I think we were 17th in the league in run defense last yeah, year. Yeah, I think I remember it was actually I only remember this it was 16th because I remember I was able to say the Bills were in the top half of the league in run defense. But exactly <laughs> by, by, one, by one spot by yes. hundred times probably. So it's like so, and the pass defense is great and and that's fine. But it's uh so Harrison Phillips I think is hopefully he'll be the future as long as he comes back from this. But obviously an ACL tear is kind of a two year kind of thing before you're fully back to the way you were. So it, it is disappointing. But on the other hand, I don't want to oversell it in terms of the grand scheme of things injury wise. You know if we had. You know, I'm trying to think, you know, Micah Hyder joined Jordan Poyer. I don't even know. Let's I'm not going to I'm not going to list the guys. Right. Because the, then you've essentially the put them on injured reserve. Because yeah. Bill Belichick's listening to this podcast like somewhere telepathically. And he's <laughs> like, oh, OK, that's a good point. I never thought if we just injured Jordan Poyer, their whole defense falls apart. So I'm just going to, you know, side, you know, hire, you know, Mookie, whatever from South Boston to come out here and, you know, to have him just uh, torpedo Jordan Pyre on play one and then uh, 48 nothing pass. So screw or you, Belichick. That's to do that because he could do it. I could feel like, I no, was going to say I didn't. Yeah, I was, I was for some reason I had Mookie Betts in my head. First, I had Mookie Wilson and I'm like, I don't think he's going to do it. And yeah. then, no, maybe <laughs> he needs Mookie... the money. I don't know how Mookie's post career has been. <laughs> I, I don't know either. Mookie Betts. I don't know why the Red Sox, you know, MVP kind of what is center fielder. Yeah, would 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 want to do that, but he, he plays in Boston. I don't know. Maybe Belichick's got some something on him. I don't know. Yeah, I assume you know. Belichick has something on everyone. That's just Probably. kind of who Belichick is. It's the blackmail. That's the thing that people don't realize about the cheating. It's not so much the 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 stealing the signs and the taping of the practices. It's really the blackmailing of the opposing team <laughs> with with a variety of <laughs> lurid videos, deep fakes. That's really the clincher when it comes down to the. That's how he wins a lot of those games. Yep. Uh, and yeah, I think I want to stray too far from the Harrison Phillips thing because you you brought up so many uh, good selling points. Yes, they definitely overpaid for for Star, but I didn't mind that because I think like you were commenting, the run defense went to being an average run defense 
last season. And I think considering they're ranked okay this year against pos- arguably the three toughest backs they face this yeah. year, Ezekiel Elliott's in there. So I guess three of the four toughest backs they'll face this year, you know, that's, that's pretty impressive. So <laughs> I think Harrison Phillips is a guy in the preseason. I wasn't even sure would make the team because they're working out Ed Phillips at the one or Ed Phillips. I've I've combined Ed Oliver and Jordan Phillips into well, one. Well, we have. I think I think Ed becomes an honorary honorary Phillips at this point. Right? right, he does. He's he's his name is now Ed Phillips. So <laughs> you have uh, you have Jordan Phillips, uh, who is who's been three technique backup primarily to Kyle last year and to Ed Phillips renamed Ed this year. Phillips. Yeah. Then on the ends, you got Jerry Phillips. Yep, Jerry and, Phillips. And is, Shaq uh, Phillips. Shaq Phillips, along with Trent Phillips. Let's <laughs> yep. not forget Trent, who's the actual starter. So, uh, But they were also working out Jordan Phillips at the one technique spot. And I was thinking, hmm, I wonder if they only keep three defensive yeah. tackles and do a three-person rotation. But then uh, Harrison seemed to do really well. I think even though he had more snaps than Star, I think it's. I don't think it's going to hurt the Bills every week. I think on a week-to-week basis, there are some games when it would have made more sense to have Harrison in more snaps than Star but I don't think that's the case every week. This is a very matchup concerned team. That's why Dean Marlowe can have 20 plus snaps one week and then five the next. It's, you know, he's not an every down guy. He's a guy who matches up well against certain players and that's when he'll get in the lineup. So, um, so yeah, that injury will hurt, you know, uh, but I don't think it's crippling and especially considering, uh, you know, where other injuries could happen and we won't mention those names. (laughs) The ones who are limited, this is, this is kind of interesting. So we knew uh, we had Devin Singletary coming. He came back to practice today, but was limited. And let's stay with the offensive skill players. Uh, Zay Jones was limited today with, a, with an injury in practice. Robert Foster did not finish practice, and neither did Isaiah McKenzie. I don't even know if Isaiah practiced it at all, where they've had they've just had some injury flare-ups now. So this is this is not helpful to Josh Allen when you are losing your weapons because, of course, Tyler Croft, his excuse me, is not practiced this week and is still likely going to be out while he recovers from his latest injury, his ankle injury. So now you're in a situation where, you know, even if you have Foster and McKenzie and Zay all on the roster, granted those are your three, four, and five receivers, not your one and two, but guys who are in the game plan every week, you know, is it worth, Scott, do you think, Figuring out a way to give Duke Williams the call up now, just in case, even if you only need him for 10 to 15 snaps this week, or you're going to base on severity of the injuries happening here. What do you think McBean might have in mind? So if we were a professional podcast, I would have, (laughs) we would have talked about this agenda more than like 15 minutes before the pod started. And then we would have had time to do research about like rules about practice squad and waivers and how people can come back and all those kind of things, which would actually probably drive the decision. But in the absence of some reason like that, that we, we haven't have, used logic for eight seasons. Why start now? That's, yeah, that's my take. Yeah. Or research or, or research. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Any of that stuff. Um, so, yeah, I mean, I obviously you kind of got to think about the game plan. I don't know. I'm sure. I mean, Gilmore is a big t- uh, Gilmore is a big corner. Um, Jason McCordy, I think, is still on their team. I think he's the McCordy who's still on the team. Or they're both. Oh, I think still. they still got both of them. Yeah. I'll, check. I'll, I'll do some research. One's the now. safety and one's the corner, I think. Right. Um, but he's he's not a small guy. So, I, you know, Duke might be a guy who would have an advantage for us here. But obviously it kind of comes down to, you know, how you feel about your special teams. And obviously I know like Corey Thompson got um, injured as well, I think. Right. So yep, he's, he has ankle surgery. I think he was the leading and we don't want to underestimate that because he was the leading special teams player in terms of number of snaps on special teams this season. Ankle surgery there are not planning to put him on IR, I guess, because they're thinking it is, well, it's a long-term half-a-season type of injury. They feel it's one he can come back from. But that's what they're saying today. Maybe they look to, maybe they need a roster spot to, because they're a thin at receiver, and, you know, we'll, yeah. we'll see. Yeah, we'll see. So, I mean, I think that's the, uh, that's kind of the question is, is you know, it's when you're doing the roster, I mean, obviously, like, I think we all like Duke Williams. I think it's it'd be great if we had a, you know, a 60-man roster or a, you know, a 50 man game day kind of roster that he'd be, you know, more on the team, but um, you know, obviously you got to kind of think strategically. So I'm not, I'm not, I will say I'm, I'm not, a, I don't have huge feelings on whether he should or shouldn't be on the team. Right. And I think what makes it interesting to me is you have three offensive linemen, Ryan Bates, Mike Butker, and who am I missing? Connor McDermott. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And they, they've been, 
uh, healthy scratches the first three weeks. And you got to wonder, like, are they are they concerned about depth on the offensive line? Do you have three? It's odd, I think, to have three offensive linemen. It is odd, I know, to have three offensive linemen inactive on game day for three straight yeah. weeks who are healthy. And yeah. so I wonder if that's all. And and I know Brandon Bean, when they, they kept all the linemen they did coming out of the initial 53-man roster, said it's a luxury. He didn't know how long they could be able to afford. And as we see the injuries pile up, I would expect either Ike or Connor to to go. I'm just curious if sure. this is going to be the week or not. And we'll we'll find out because they they attend the practices and they see the players and they know what the game plan is for this week. So this could be all irrelevant. And maybe it's Frank Gore 25 times they've decided is the best way to beat the Patriots. And if, if it works, then who am I to question that? Yeah, I think, I think the only one we have ones we haven't mentioned uh I'm not too worried about Trey White. He was limited last week and he, he played, very, he was the second star of the game. And then you had uh, Taron Johnson's been making progress. I think Sir and Neil and Dean Marlowe have done very well and that I've barely noticed them. And when I have, especially in the Giants game with Neil, it's been for positive reasons, uh, though he did struggle in that first game against the Jets. Uh, Feliciano. I think he's been surprisingly good uh, this year for, for the bills is, is my impression. But I also think Cody Ford did totally fine uh, filling in for him after the neck injury this week. And then the other player I wanted to mention uh, up from the practice squad, congratulations to Kyle Pico, who takes Harrison Phillips spot. For those of you who have not followed Kyle Pico's story, his wife was diagnosed with cancer uh, over the off season. He, he was not known whether he would make the team or not. He didn't make the team. Do you get a practice squad invite, which is good because you're, supporting someone who's who's ill and now from being called up to the practice squad the nfl rules state that even if he's only up for a game he gets three weeks of nfl salary pay so uh that is as terrible as is what happened to harrison phillips and you know how it affects his development he said he was beyond heartbroken there's also a positive story in there and that's for kyle pico so congratulations to to him Anything yeah, else? no, obviously there's, you know, doors, doors closed, windows open, you know, large 300 pound defensive line, get through those windows. That is uh man. I forgot who said that first might've been Socrates. I would have <laughs> to look back though on the, on the, again, didn't research. Got to start researching these things. Um, yeah, I think about covers things on the injury front. I think this will be a very quick divisional recap because there's absolutely nothing of surprise here. The Miami Dolphins were thrashed handily by Dallas, even though Dallas uh, sleepwalked through an entire half of football. I watched highlights of that game, and that was literally it. Uh, The Pats Dolphins, excuse me, the Pats Jets game, I saw maybe five actual minutes of playing time and then looked at the score. So I will not pretend to be an expert on that. But I think both of those games worked out exactly as they would expect. And the only hot take I have coming out of them is, I think even though the Jets are 0-3, they're still not a bottom two, bottom three team that people seem to have them at. I think they've just gotten screwed with the schedule these uh, first handful of weeks, and I think they're going to be a perfectly good, mediocre team, just like the Bills were last year. Uh, any thoughts on the uh, the division before we dive into? No, pretty uh, much what what we thought. I think you know it's not really yeah. Uh, the, the 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 Jets are uh, not going to be good until Darnold come back. They're definitely not going to be good until Darnold comes back. And even then, it's debatable. And Miami isn't going to be good this decade. Yeah, boy, Miami is just, it gets worse and and worse there every week. I, in some ways, I wish we had like a, a Dolphins podcast on the side. Just because, because <laughs> I feel like we, we're so used to conditioned to talking about misery with the Bills in our, our time. And even before our time in podcasting, that we, we haven't had much misery to talk about. I mean, we're talking about uh, being upset that Josh Allen, you know, still will make bad decisions with the ball and isn't been perfect on the long ball. In addition to leading fourth quarter comebacks in two games and leading the team to a 3-0 record. And as, as Lars would point out from Bills and Beers, if he were here, being on pace exactly for 4,000 yards this season. He has 750 yards through three games. Uh, so I, I kind of feel like if we had a Dolphins pod, we could really just vent a lot of frustrations. But we also don't like the Dolphins, so maybe that would just make us even happier and that would contribute. Say, I, I feel like I'd want to kill myself by the end of the season, right. so that'd be, there'd be that, too. Right, yeah, the, the suicide watch, never fun. Um, so move on. I, were there any questions on Facebook? I saw we had people plaintively waiting for us to release this pod this week. Um, 
no, I like to know that people are out there and interested um, and want to, to hear and know about the podcast. But uh, I don't actually want to answer any questions, which is good because there weren't any questions on Facebook. All right, that is that is good. No questions is fine. On Twitter, uh, we had we had one. We also did have have our buddy Lars over at Bills and Beers give us a lovely shot of one of my favorite movies, uh, Caddyshack, with Ted Knight saying, "Well, we're waiting because uh, you know we we were a little late in the week with the, the oh my god, well get over it, jeez, <laughs> like like it's we not need- like we're rigorous, like a." If you're waiting for this podcast, you need to reevaluate your priorities. And B, <laughs> it's not like this has been like a, a podcast you could set your watch to for the last seven years. So this is why Scott is not in the marketing department for this pod. This is, you know, this is why Scott is the heel of, of the pod. We've tried exactly. to make a I'm face turn with him at several That's points. What they call me, yeah, right. Like I, I, I value the listener. I'm the good guy. I'm like Rocky. I'm like Rocky Maivia version of of the Rock when he first arrived in WWE. I'm just that chipper guy and high five and everyone. And yeah. uh, we'll get to the one question we had, which was uh, Stephen on Twitter, which wasn't a question but more of a comment. <laughs> he said, uh, "Allen has three TD passes and three games against three below average teams. He has never come close to 300 yards in a game, which is fair. I don't think he's got. I think 254 is as high, and he still makes too many bad mistakes and decisions every week. So I like these doses of and and we got some Allen dose of negativity." during our our game talk and there's truth in that you know it was at murray with the cardinals went over 300 yards in his first career start (laughs) mayfield does it fairly routinely and you know here we are x number of games into josh allen's career and if he had not sleepwalked through the third quarter of the last three games he would have had 300 yards in all three of those games but he did and he didn't throw some touchdowns when he had a chance to you know, really put teams away uh, without having to wait to make a furious, you know, comeback or lead change in the fourth quarter. Uh, I will give, you know, a bit kind of caveat in this of that, you know, one, you're also limited by the players around you. And while Josh mm-hmm. Allen has immeasurably more talent around him than he did last year, we're still looking at your number one receiver being John Brown and your other guys being Cole Beasley and, and Zay Jones, they don't have, they have Isaiah. I also want to bring up Isaiah McKenzie because he's kind of that, uh, you know, CJ Spillerish toolkit sort of weapon. Although Spiller did have one great all pro season or pro bowl season, I should say. And then you've got tight ends who block well, but don't do too much else except for Dawson Knox, who apparently is God now. And then you have a young running back. Rambo. It's a small difference, but yeah. Yes, that's right. Kyle Brandt on Monday morning quarterback did actually do kind of a Rambo theme uh, with, with Dawson Knox. Uh, and Singletary has been good for two games and Frank Gore has been fine. But, you know, this isn't a guy who has Odell Beckham Jr. and Jarvis Landry to, to throw to. And and it's a chub in the backfield for for, for them. And yeah. Dar- Darnold has Le'Veon Bell in the backfield when he gets back from from injury. And, and, you know, he doesn't have as much receiver, but they're not any worse than the Bills, really, at receiver. So I, I think, yes, everything you said, Stephen, is true. And we would we would agree, um, you know, but I think. I feel like it's coming. I feel like we're going to have that 350-yard Josh Allen performance. It's going to be like, it. it's in there. You, you kind of see that coming up too, Scott? I mean, um, you know. Or is he I, Trent Edwards who never hits 300 yards? That's certainly possible. No, I, I, yeah, I mean, I think, he'll, I think it's going to happen. I, I, think, I, think it is, I think it is a fair question about what kind of offense we're running and kind of, you know, I, I think they're willing to change the game plan radically to a certain extent week to week. I think we saw that obviously week one to week two um, a little bit in terms of the run pass ratio, though, as Frank pointed out last week, some of that was probably just based off of trying to see what the defense was going to give them. Um, but I think that that, you know, I think you want to be flexible on offense. And when you're being flexible, you're not going to, you know, say that you have the team be, you know, this is what you know, we're, we're going to run the ball 40 times come hell or high water, or we're going to throw the ball 50 times a game come hell or high water. We're going to do what, what makes sense based on what the defense is giving us and what the personnel is. Uh, I think there's obviously some limits to that. You know, obviously you want to have, you need to have a philosophy on offense and try and impose your will to a certain extent. And even if the defense has a strength, you have to kind of be willing to, to, to not change your game plan totally. But there's obviously some, you know, there are no black and whites here that 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 really makes sense on some level. But I think he will get there. I think I'm fine if it takes as long as it takes. And I do think that a lot of it is, you know, run after catch or broken tackles or who you're playing on defense. 
um, it's not always going to be as simple as just the quarterback needs to throw the ball in the air. And um, I, though I will say getting back to some of the point you raised earlier, you know, Allen has like his accuracy in the mid range seems to have improved and they're certainly throwing the ball more on their a throwing the ball more and b turning it shorter, more, mm-hmm. more intermediate routes. They definitely seem to have cut down on the deep routes, which is going to affect his ability to do that. I think, We'll see over the long term what the most effective way to run this offense is if it's kind of trying to have Josh Allen be an effective intermediate guy with a run game attached to it or more of what we saw last year where he's basically, you know, kind of a running howitzer and it's either downfield or it's or it's or it's nothing. Um, You know, he's certainly shown thus far that the fundamentals have improved to the point where he can make more of those intermediate throws. So on some level, I don't want to. you know, I don't want to prejudge that because I think that's certainly the more traditional kind of route is you don't just constantly rear back and throw every uh, huge bombs, every play or every five plays or whatever it is. So, right. And I think they've uh, another thing we shouldn't lose sight of. And because we haven't even mentioned this at all on the pod, his completion percentage last year, his much maligned 52.8 percent in the going back to college. He will never be accurate through three games, 64.1 percent. And that goes right to that intermediate accuracy that Scott talked about and teams are probably taking away things over the top more he missed one to zay last week and then he missed one over the middle to robert and he had the bad overthrow to brown the prior weeks but they've only really had a couple chances a game where he's been able to go over the top and 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 make that that big throw which of course affects you know what your yardage total is going to be i i think they're i think he's growing in the right way as as scott said they're not afraid to pass he's thrown 103 passes through three games already this year uh if he played 12 games like he did last season that would be a 412 attempt pace versus the 320 attempt pace which is even more notable uh because late in the fourth quarter they've been uh, ahead in games and been wanting to run the ball so they've obviously shown no mm-hmm. hesitation to throw earlier in games. So I think I wouldn't worry yet, Stephen. But if we're if you're able to ask that same question in five weeks, we 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 have a problem with with Josh Allen. So we'll see see how that goes. Um, and this, I, let's go on to this day in Bill's headlines, I think, and then yeah. we'll lump our Pat stuff in together. So you're you've got a challenge this week, Scott. It's just you. It's just as the the, the sole sole man of tower. Yes, so, you'll uh, be out on an island, but you'll be. Glad to know that uh, to try to help you out for almost all of these answers, I looked up colleges. So I, I, I wanted to try and you're, you're welcome. I tried to make this as, as easy as, as possible or tried to make it as, as Scott centric as, as possible here. So okay. some, some of these you're going to get and some, I would give you like a 5% odds on. So okay. we'll just get rolling and uh, let's see if you can, can come out swinging here. All right. 2018 bills trade blank to Panthers and sign lineman Jeremiah Searles. 2018, we trade somebody to the Panthers. Um, I feel like I go to him a lot, but I will say Kalen Clay. No, good guess with Kalen Clay, because he is going to be an answer, and he, was, he has uh, cycled between the Bills and Panthers. I will give you two hints here before I give you a, the college hint. Uh, one hint is that he was, he was essentially replaced by Jeremiah Searles in terms of his position and his role. Okay. Yeah. Searles is an offensive lineman. Yep. Who, okay. Lineman who went to the Panthers. And here's another, I think this will be a big hint. Maybe he will likely be starting against the bills on Sunday. And then went to the Pats. Yep. Um, Texas Christian University, by the way, is the college. Uh, Let's see, he's fifth, six, he was the sixth lineman. They often put him in there on the goal line. And uh, 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 yeah, I don't, I don't know who this is, which is funny because I think Marcus Cannon is on the Pats, and he's also from TCU. But um, think, of, think of Bart Simpson's best friend, Millhouse. Right. Uh, so that's, I'm going to count that because it's Marshall Newhouse is the Marshall Newhouse. And Millhouse, so close to, to Millhouse. Sure. Okay. All yeah, right. no, you're right. No, that, that's all, that all kind of makes sense now that I remember it. Okay. Yeah. Right. I just totally forgot. Blocked him out of my head. All right. That's all right. You, you're not missing much. All right, here we go. 2017 going back two years now. Uh, Buffalo Bills blank 
named Monday Monday morning quarterbacks special teams player of the week. The hint is blank took any momentum the Denver Broncos had when he stopped the team's fake punt attempt at the end of the third quarter. And the hint here, he played all 32 games for the Bills in 2017, 2018. He was mainly a special teamer playing all 16 games both seasons. He was cut at the end of the 2019 preseason, and he is now in hell. Deion Lacey? Yes, Deion Lacey. I didn't even have to uh, go into the, you know, West Alabama College part of that. So well done. All right. 2014. So now we're going back a little bit more. Five years. Blank could start with Chris Williams out. Uh, so Chris Williams was an offensive lineman. This player was a rookie. Uh, he was a 2014 fifth round pick out of Baylor. He would start four games that season. He got cut in 2015 and spent the season on the Bills practice squad. And then he spent 2016. Sarah Richardson. Sarah Richardson, man. I, did, I had all these hints about unanimous All-American and everything else. You're like, I've, I've got this. So two yeah, out of three. Taylor thing, fifth round pick, yeah. Yep. All right, here we go. 2013, Buffalo Bills blank, confident he can play cornerback. He says, I felt like it was a message to me that I couldn't play corner, but talking to Coach Petten, that wasn't the case at all. He said Wednesday about being switched in positions. The message was this would be the best position for you and the team. They know I can play cornerback or else they wouldn't have put me in there Sunday. I will note he ended up being a much better safety than a cornerback before Aaron Nick Williams. Yes, man. Texas. Yep. 2011 second rounder out of Texas. All right. 2011. Uh, this is this is a fun headline. Uh, blank and the Bills exploit a hole in Patriots defense during game deciding play. And the quote of, from this player is, the way they play, the way they blitz to empty formations, it was something uh, Fitz and I saw. Anytime we line up out there and we point away from a linebacker, this one over here blitzes and leaves that gap open. Phoebe Johnson? No, no, didn't have the big game-breaking play on this one. 2011, this was the fantastic win over the Patriots. They uh, yeah. Went down to the one-yard line, initially called a touchdown was overturned and that was a good thing for the bills because then the bills were able to kneel on it and kick a field goal to win it. And it's coming back to me, but I don't think I'm going to get it off of that. All right. What is the, what is the college? Co-college. Co-college Fred Jackson. Yep. Good old Freddie. So yeah, there's, I, I encourage anyone who has subscriptions to either the Buffalo news or the athletic, both of those publications, ironically, interviewed a ton of players from that 2011 victory over the Patriots. And it really is just kind of fascinating to get their insight into those games. Some other fun 2011 headlines that there are no quizzes on, uh, but will you know, kind of lead into our discussion of the Pats game. It says time to believe in those battling bills for bills fans. Now more than ever, a glimmer of glimmer of hope. Uh, the vibes in, are different this year with bills and bills are beast of the AFC East. Uh, and as you remember, they would, uh, win three more yes. games that season. All right, 2009. This is a this one is a good good test here. Blank to start with Sean Nelson doubtful. It says blank will start at tight end for the Bills, and it's likely first year man Jonathan Stupar will be the team's number two tight end. Chris Gregg. Gregg is a great guess. It's not correct, but he would have been on the roster at this time. So, uh, you remember our buddy <laughs> Eric we used to hang out with at the bar. Uh, you know, I, I remember him, but yeah, he, he had a wife. This was his wife's maiden name is the same name as this player. Nope. That's not going to help you at all. So let's give nope. you the right to the college. 2008 round four, Kansas. Um, uh, so a tight end out of Kansas in 08 in the fourth round. Boy. Um, I want to, oh man, I don't, yeah, I don't got it. I don't, I'm not close enough. I was going to make the comment that the Bills. Angelo Crowell, a linebacker. (laughs) Yeah. 2005. I was going to say, we we commented that the Bills tight ends are just this. They are fine. Derek Fine. Derek Fine. Derek Fine was from Kansas. Yeah. And Derek Schumann was Oregon State. 
that's you would the i didn't there. i didn't look up the the cobbler for this one but we'll get yeah. in He's we'll have to shoe one. him into a future episode all right that's it i got two derek schumann uh-huh. jokes in. all okay. right <laughs> 2005 buffalo linebacker blank done for season with achilles injury said for his career he has tallied 814 tackles 20 and a half sacks and 12 interceptions three of which have been returned for touchdowns uh to keo keo yep all right this one we've had before so let's see uh well you know you you might remember this frank can't even share the blame with you all right so 2002 going back 17 years blank signs three-year contract extension with bills now here are the hints uh, excited by his performance and the stability he has provided to the secondary since joined the team late last season, which would have been 2001, the Buffalo Bills have signed starting free safety blank to a three-year contract extension worth $4.465 million in so-called new money. Now, the other hints I'll give you is uh, after uniting with the Bills coach Greg Williams in November 2001, he would be with you know, he would be with the team through the 2004 season, and then he would follow Greg Williams literally everywhere. He went to Washington with Williams in 2005 to 2007. Then he went to him uh, Jacksonville with him in 2008. And then when he went to the Saints in 2009, 2010, this player went with him. And in the Super Bowl victory over Indy with 546 left in the game, he made a key tackle on a kickoff right after New Orleans took a 24 to 17 lead. He is a 1999 round four pick out of Virginia Tech by the San Francisco 49ers. He is, as of June 2019, he was named Director of Player Development for Virginia Tech's defense. Wow. His initials are PP. Uh, Pearson Prolo. Yes, Pearson Prolo. Well done. Prelo. The initials. Yeah. All right. Sorry, that took forever. But yeah. No, that's that's all right. right. I write, I write all these hints out for them. You've been nailing them like when I'm one into them. So yeah, I, no, you know, no. I finally got to like unload all my hints on one guy. <laughs> all right, two to go. Two thousand. Blank considers a load himself... of hot hints all over me. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> oh dear. All right. It's terrible. Yes. Maybe next year after dark. Uh, Blank considers himself the scapegoat for Bill's poor running game. He says, you know something for me, I feel like I wasn't given a fair opportunity. Last game, I only had five carries. I guess 30 carries in three games is enough carries to do your job, I guess. The running game hasn't gone off to a good start, so the blame is to fall on somebody's shoulders, and I'm that guy. What year? Sorry? 2000, going back 19 years. Whew. Um, 2000. Um, so this is before Travis Henry. Before Travis Henry and after Thurman Thomas. What was in there? Antoine Smith. Antoine Smith was in there. Very good. I also would have accepted Jonathan Linton, Sammy Morris, or Joe Burns. Right. Uh, right. Yeah. I'm missing another. They had another back in there, too, occasionally got carries. But, yeah, that was Antoine. He was pissed. So then he went to New England and won a Super Bowl. Mm-hmm. All right. Um, so we're going to the last game. I have a couple no quiz parts of this that I want to point out. Normally, we don't do the games anymore. I just do the headline. But the Bills lost mm. on the state of the Dolphins 26 years ago, 1993. Interesting facts about this game. Uh, in a This is a, another report that came out years later. In a deposition Monday in the wrongful death lawsuit against O.J. Simpson, Harry Skull of the Buffalo News said he took the photo of Simpson wearing Bruno Magley's shoes at a Buffalo Bills game on September 26, 1993. About nine mm. months before Ms. Simpson and Ronald Goldman were slain, even though Simpson said he didn't own that type of shoe. Another interesting facet of this game, Steve Christie set the franchise record with a 59-yard field goal in a loss. All right, so here's the quiz question, though, that's coming up, Scott. The NFL hit Miami Dolphins linebacker blank for 17500 in the pocketbook, the league's stiffest fine of the season. <laughs> that's hilarious that that was the stiffest fine. Yep. The mere seven is um, probably what they get if they wear the wrong, uh, you know, yeah, exactly. they wear the wrong sock on game day. Yeah. Um, I want to say, like, I think he was I think he spent most of his career with the Jets. But I want to say that 
Brian Cox had a Brian cup of Cox. coffee with Miami. Yes, no hints needed. They were all all the hints were in here. It was Brian Cox, a dirty player he, in the Jets, dirty player in Miami, dirty player everywhere. And then yeah, he's I guess his son has had some dirty playing issues as well. He was he'd been fined ten thousand dollars, which was the max at the time under the collective bargaining agreement, and then fined seventy five hundred more by the commissioner for conduct detrimental to the league when he insulted people and provoked fans while exiting the stadium, spitting five times in the direction of the crowd. He would, of course, later flip off the fans in another incident entirely. So good, good, so good job, Kyle Gardner, for provoking the fight that led to all this nonsense. And that was this day in Bill's headlines, September 26. Bill's have a game this week, I hear. Scott, do you want to tell us about that game? Um, yeah. Um, I believe that we're playing football correct american yep. football american football will be the sport and that we're gonna play the new england revolution is that right that's got that sounds good checks notes no yeah. it says patriots here patriots huh. oh interesting i would have guessed okay. revolution uh it will in fact be a a will it be a revolutionary game on on sunday i i'd Scott and I, I, I sent some notes Scott and I had for all the reasons like we to believe that this year would be different and yet all the reasons to believe this could be exactly the same. Um, but I, before we go into those, you know, any, what were like, okay, they lose to the Patriots every year, no matter what level of hope we have, what are your, is this going to be any different? Are we just setting ourselves up for the usual? You know, I think, I think this team, as skeptical as I've been, is in general on the right track. I'm not sure that Allen is the guy to get us there, and it's frustrating because in so many ways that's the most important decision, and you can only really make it once every three years, kind of. And then at that point, like you're kind of stuck with a guy for that for a certain amount of time, especially when you're doing the rookie draft thing. Um, so. That is some of the, that is, you know, so that said, I feel like as a result, this game, I feel like we have as good a chance to win it as we've ever had, or at least I'm as confident as I've ever been going into a game. That said, I'm not terribly confident because in all those other games, I was not confident at all that we'd have any shot. Um, And you go back to last year's game and the, the McDermott had a good game plan you know keep it in front of everybody um we obviously didn't have that was i'm trying to remember that was anderson's first game second game oh yeah first game was the monday night game Derek anderson 290 yards passing exactly and and you know he was able to to not move the ball at, at will but we were able to sort of move the ball on offense we able to keep brady from going off on defense kind of harass him get through the line um in some ways, the Patriots, if you want to get down, um, so last year's game at home, admittedly a rabid Monday night crowd, but I'm pretty sure the crowd is going to be pretty close to that on Sunday oh, yeah. uh, at, at Orchard Park. Um, it's going to be pretty crazy that the the Pats, the, even Belichick and Brady were talking about the crowd um, this year. And I, you know, again, they're strictly in a reverse jinx fashion, I'm sure, because um, <laughs> they're about to table slam us through a, through a chair here. Um, but... Uh, table slam us through a chair. That's something that I was going to let it go. I like table slam it through a chair. I think, uh, I think when Frank titles this, it's <laughs> table slam it through a chair. Here comes the table slam. Um, <laughs> um, so better than a chair slam through a table. Let me tell you a hundred percent. I did that last week. Back still killing <laughs> me. Um, so last year's was close game. It got away from us at the end with the bad interception when we were pressing late. I think that's the I think that's the problem is I'm still not Allen has done it as many times as pretty much anybody's ever done it for the Bills in the last couple of years in terms of a fourth quarter comeback, but it's just a little different when you're doing it against the Pats defense and Belichick knows you're coming. That's the whole thing. And McDaniels is gonna try and get the team up early. They're gonna, you know, do that stupid little there, kick a field goal at the end of the half and then get the ball coming out and they'll get 10 points and we'll go from three up to seven behind in the course of five game minutes. And then we're going to be playing from behind the second half. And then we're, we're, we're going to lose focus on the run. We'll lose the balance. Not that the run game is going to be critical, but we need to at least have the balance to, you know, give us the marginal return and make them think about the play action, make them think about the run game when we're running the play action. That's hopefully going to be more effective. So, um, you know, I, 
so yeah, so there's a number of of concerns. Um, the talent level, from my perspective, is closer than it's ever been. The scheme on defense is enough to keep us in the ball game, and the Pats have a lot of injuries, which helps. Uh, you know, again, we don't want to see guys get injured, other than Brady. Um, right. But but Andrews and the left tackle win uh, first round pick from the Pats last year out of Georgia. Um, we're both Andrews done for the season went out for several weeks um, center and left tackle pretty important. So uh, the bills defensive line has to be able to get pressure up the middle. This has to be that Ed Oliver Ed Oliver needs to, this is the game. Like he needs to be the guy. Yeah. Now. Like he's, he's, he's doing okay. He's gotten some batted balls. He's, he's starting he, to learn. He's, he's been fine. I think is the word we would use. He's, he's been fine. Yeah. They were talking on the radio that he had kind of a swim or a spin move that he put on somebody the other day, which shows him kind of starting to think about how to develop some of those more second level pass uh, rush moves when it's not just enough to be quick. Like it was in college. Um, you gotta be, you gotta be quick and you have to have moves. Um, so this is the game when you got to get that pressure up the middle of that eight gap and try and put Brady off his spot and get him moving left to right and make, you know, he didn't practice this week because basically he was old. Like that's basically right. how they explained it. Like he's just, I don't have the, uh, you know, I'm not feeling great, uh, yeah. you know, whatever. <laughs> so, all right, I'll stop talking and then we can come back and you can make your points and then we'll do predictions at the end. Sure. Yeah. And, and you covered a lot of the stuff, like the, some of the reasons I think that this is going to be, you know, it, it could be that closer game than we've seen in previous years. Uh, you know, the Bills have a QB who can consistently throw for a lot of passing yards when the game is in doubt. You know, not just stacking up garbage time yards. And who's shown an ability to lead drives in the fourth quarter consistently, whether it's the, the come from behind wins like Tennessee last year, the Jets <laughs> and Cincinnati this year. Then the, the Mortal Kombat style finish him drives when the team is up by one score less. Uh, like he did with Detroit in the second game against Miami last year and then against the Giants two weeks ago. Uh, Scott talked about the defense and, and how good they were at keeping New England at bay, so I won't go into detail on that. He, Scott talked about the town level being so much closer, too. You don't have to depend on trying to out-scheme or outsmart Belichick, which is a hell of a tall order. Um, you know, they, the, the Pats don't have a lot of film on some guys who could be big contributors for the Bills on Sunday. That's Oliver, which you mentioned. We've talked about the rookie tight ends. We've talked about Singletary. Uh, the Bills know how to utilize these guys, and the Patriots aren't going to necessarily know how to stop them as well. And then, you know, the cultural difference, I, I'd mentioned the past Bills teams could easily be 0-3 right now. They could have just folded against the Jets. They could have, after giving up the lead against the Bengals, called it quits. And after the Giants got within one score, they could have stopped scoring and been outscored the rest of the way. They've done all of those things, but they, they didn't. Uh, they, they won all three. And the reasons to believe that we're in for another whipping at New England's hands, Brady's, Brady's still good. Belichick is still smart. That's not changed. Their defense is playing better than ever, even if it's against struggling opponents. Uh, the Bills can't get away with that third quarter lull against New England. The Pats will put them away for sure uh, if they do. Uh, you know, they, the Bills have played three opponents who have started the season poorly and may end up being bad teams. And then the whole cultural difference thing, hey, maybe it's overstated. The Bills have had plenty of regime changes before that have had zero impact on their ability to beat New England, uh, despite talk to the contrary. And McDermott is winless against the Pats and all four games were decided, you know, well before the final whistle. So, you know, with those things in mind, I guess, you know what, I, well, you should end the pod with your pick. So I'm just going to jump right into my pick. I think the, the, as Scott mentioned, this town level is closer than ever. The fans are going to be hyped. Uh, you know, there's all the potential for this to be a great game. I think this is the type of game that the Patriots are going to get up for though. And I think the bills well, they've closed the talent gap. I still think that gap is there a bit. And I think Josh Allen is, you know, going to be making his only his second career start against them. He still has some learning to do. So I've used logic to pick all three games correctly so far, which I just wanted to brag about. I had the, them beating the Bengals, but not covering. I had them covering the spread against the Giants, and I had them winning outright against the Jets as an underdog. So I'm going to say the Pats win, and they cover the spread, unfortunately. So I will say Patriots 31, Bills 18. Ooh. So at 13 points, it could, you know, it's not doesn't mean it's a blowout. You know, all sorts of mm. crazy things happen at the end of games to make scores look inflated. 
Yeah, no, that's that's fair. Yeah, I, yeah, I mean, I, I do think it's going to be a four quarter game again. Last year mm-hmm. was functionally a, a four quarter game. Obviously, at, at some point, it kind of got away from the Bills with that that late late interception that was run back for the touchdown. Um, the I think I think it's going to be a close game, a four quarter game. I think it's just um, the turnovers. I, I th- it's yeah. it's hard to kind of pick a game on turnovers because like it's pretty chancy, you know, guys, you know, like I was saying before, if yeah, Brady threw four interceptions eight years ago, <laughs> it, it can happen. Like, yeah, exactly. Some days you have the day when you throw, you make four bad decisions and all four of those bad decisions are, are kill you. Yeah. Like they catch them and they run them back for touchdowns or they make big where they, 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 that you lose and, and, and there's no penalty that wipes them out. And then other days you make four bad decisions and none of them hurt you. And, you know, a penalty wipes them out or they turn it right back over or it's right at the end of the half and they don't have yeah, time. Yeah, they miss a field like goal. So many different things could happen. Yeah, Exactly. So it, it's tough to say that the, the turnovers will be the difference. But uh, on some level, you know, I just don't think that Allen's going to be consistently able to move the ball without turning it over enough. Um, I think I think it'll still be a close game. I Part of me and again, part of me at this point is really just picking based off of the history of Bill's Pats games and Belichick just kind of figuring out ways to scheme and put guys into bad positions, making the bills do things, do things they don't want to do. I will say this. I think another thing that might happen is we end up setting for a lot of field goals rather than touchdowns. One thing I've definitely noticed with our team is that we're running the ball with Allen a lot in the red zone. We're using that for a lot of red zone offense to make five, you know, to instead of getting us at, at first and 10 at the 15, you know, it's a, it's a good way to get, get first and first and five first and goal at the five or a second and you know one at the six and things like that or run it in on a sweep from first and ten uh, first and nine or first and goal um, uh, from the nine things like that. I think Belichick's going to see that. I think he's going to eliminate that. There's going to be spies on him. And I understand like we're running it with sweeps and things, so some of that's going to be uh, taken care of. But again, schematic things that you use to, to try and win games are all going to be kind of taken away. Belichick knows the answers to a certain extent to all of those, to all of those things. So on some level, it just comes down to talent. And I think the talent on the, the, the Pats is still just a little bit ahead. And I don't know that uh, we're going to play a clean enough game to, to, to counteract it, even with the home field advantage. So I will take it close. I will say more of a defensive struggle though. I will put it at um, Pat's, uh, 21 or I want to say Pat's 20 um, bills like 17. All right. Pat's 20 bills, 17 Scott, by the way, I had bills 27, 20 last week. So not far off. I had them 27, 24. Uh, so I think I, I generally win cause it was a four point win and I was, I was close. So I'm giving myself the win on that. All right. If you would like to, uh email us and apologize for doubting that scott and i could go over an hour without frank you can send your apologies to us on uh twitter that's bbillsmny uh twitter.com slash bbillsmny facebook facebook.com slash bbillsmny send it to gmail bbillsmny at gmail.com we do check our account annually we did check it last week so we will read that email in 51 weeks and we will respond to it in due time so, uh, you know, with that in mind, we we thank you both for joining us. We are amped about Sunday's game. Uh, we are beholden to Frank and hope he posts this podcast for us since he's the one who's got the software to do so. And, uh, yeah, until then, any closing thoughts, uh, Scott? Uh, go Bills. Go Bills. I agree. Until next time, I'm Paul. I'm Scott. See you later, everyone.